I had a very strange childhood. I had the worst case any doctor had ever seen. My job is to keep healing. So that is the story. We all have remarkable stories within us. Stories of adversity, challenges, triumphs, and ultimately of healing. This is Your Health, Your Story, the podcast. I want you to take a minute and picture this scenario with me. You're a parent enjoying life. Your days are spent mostly with your child, raising them and perhaps growing vegetables in your garden. You're happy and healthy. Then one day you wake up and you feel like you've tweaked your neck a little and you have some localized pain. You rationally apply ice and rest it thinking it'll get better in a day or so. But it doesn't. In fact, things escalate so quickly for you that within two weeks, you can't talk, chew food, use your arms, turn your head, or even stand upright without debilitating pain. You go to doctors and specialists, and they're all baffled. They simply don't have answers for you. They give you medications, but it only makes things worse. You end up spending eight years basically in a single room, debilitated, depressed, and dejected. This was the reality of today's guest. But this story has a happy ending and a valuable lesson to it. This is the story of hidden dental infections with Pam Wild. You know, you sent me your story and I read it and it just connected with me. It resonated with me. And not because I'd heard it before, because it's your story. It's unique. It's different. You went through so much and it's complicated and it's, it's really complex. And what you went through is, is really harrowing. None, <laughs> nonetheless... I saw so many other patients' patterns in that of why is this happening to me? My life was so normal. And then this suddenly came and totally flipped my life upside down. And, and you navigate all that for years and years. And now you're sitting here in a much healthier state. So tell us, you know, take us back to maybe what was it, 2011 and what that was like before and after in your story that led you to learn so much about medicine, health, and overcoming a truly debilitating disease? Well, you know, I went into this whole situation with a background in nursing and in massage therapy. I was a massage therapist in my 20s. I had a private practice. Um, I I did well with that. Um, I went back to school, became a nurse, and I was uh, worked in surgical intensive care. Uh, I went to case... Western Reserve, which is one of the best nursing programs in the world. And still yet, with all that background, what happened to me happened to me. And, um, you know, when I first got sick, I thought, oh, you know, I just have a pulled muscle in my neck and I've got this, I can figure this out, no problem. And it didn't take long before I knew I was in really big trouble. Within weeks, I couldn't talk or chew or use my arms. I couldn't turn my head. I couldn't nod my head. I had, eventually, I was using my arms like this. I mean, I couldn't move any of this. I had just debilitating pain. My son was five years old. He was in preschool. And, you know, we had just a charmed life. We had a a country place and I was going to grow most of our food. And I I knew what it took to, to be healthy. But what I didn't know was that I had undergone uh, some procedures that had left me very vulnerable And I had a lot of toxins in my system, a lot of poison, uh, which left me to where I got very, very sick. So I went to a bunch of doctors. I had swallow tests and CAT scans and all of the usual things. And I tried all of the usual things that would get rid of, we thought maybe there was a muscle tear in here because nothing else really made sense. And nothing was working. And how many doctors no did you go to during this course? And how many years we talk about, cause you know, you, you tell the story, mm-hmm. I read it. It's, it sort of became almost like that in a few weeks, you went from what you seemed like quite healthy to basically disabled, not able to really speak. Almost. You said 
unable to use your arm so much, unable to swallow these. I mean, these are functions you need to, to kind of live almost, or else you do become sort of bedridden and, and you lose a lot of what your freedom was, I would say. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, even with the chewing, um, we got concerned at one point. I was able to get that under control by not doing anything. I basically laid in bed, but hmm. uh, before I figured that uh, uh, that out, and, and a couple times there was a scare where we thought I might have to get a feeding tube because I couldn't chew, uh, and I was on a liquid diet, and I did eat a very boring, soft diet for about eight years, which was nowhere near nutritious enough either, but I think I kind of got off track. What was your question? I want to actually find out and set the stage a little bit as to, so this happened within two weeks. Were there any signs before that of anything going on? Yes. Okay. I did have lots of chronic health issues. And back in my childhood, I had a head full of mercury fillings. And I did have the foresight to have all of those removed in my 20s. That was before they have what they now call SMART protocol, which is the proper way to have mercury fillings removed so that you are not repoisoned with mercury while they're taking them out. So right. they protect your airway, they protect you from swallowing it. And that was not done completely for me. It was done the best at the time. Like they used mm-hmm. to rubber dam in my mouth, but they did not do anything to capture all the mercury in the air. Mm-hmm. So I was exposed to mercury and I had been exposed to it for years before I had them removed. So we knew I had heavy metal issues and I had been tested for that prior to getting sick. And I had had a course of EDTA, which is an oral chelation agent to remove that. And then I had kind of gotten a little better and I didn't have any serious health problems. I had a problem with my knee. I had sinus trouble. Little things but, here and there, right? It, it kind of right. pops I up. I had digestive problems. I had a lot of weird health problems. Like I would have bladder infections that would kind of take longer. Every time I needed an antibiotic, it took longer. I would need to be on a course of antibiotics for 13 days and swear no people would be on it for like 10. Uh, it wouldn't quite go away. I'd have to call the doctor. We'd have to get some more. Um, that was very common. Did the doctors tell you that that was normal or did they start to even inquire then of, hey, maybe we should look at something else because it's taking a little long? No, no, No. they just call me a slow healer. Right. And uh, they don't really, you know, they're really not trained to investigate for root causes and to, to look for these kind of things. And it's really not their fault. I mean, they go to school and that's the way they're taught. And then a lot of the follow-up education they have is presented by pharmacological companies and such. So, and of course the insurance companies and, and all that uh, want them to do things a certain way uh, that falls into the way that everybody makes money along that protocol. So, you know, they're doing the best they can. As a matter of fact, my, my doctor, my GP was a neighbor and a friend and he went out of his way to try to help me he was very open-minded about, you know, trying things like um, that were alternative. Um, But, you know, first we looked at the standard things. I even tried, you know, a course of steroids and things. Of course I got much worse. That was the first hint that I had an infectious process, but I missed that clue for a little while. And we just couldn't figure out why didn't the steroids help? Well, it just must've been too much inflammation or whatever. So as the years went by, I adapted to the situation I was in and how to cope. And I ate a certain way and I stayed in bed and I brought, we had a little refrigerator and a microwave in my bedroom. I mean, I really didn't go anywhere. I went except for the doctor and I went there quite a bit, but it got to be what was a real production to go to the doctor because to do that, Um, I had to call ahead of time. They had to have a room for me where I could lie down. I would wait in the car and then go in. And some medical facilities are so large that I couldn't get around because I had trouble sitting up in a wheelchair. And they have no way, even at the best hospitals in the world, of getting you around on a stretcher, believe it or not. I was told, oh, you'll have to walk there or go in a wheelchair. And so that would create problems for me. 
So um, I tried to go places where I could be right outside and get into the doctor's office, which didn't make a difference after a while. You know, I mean, no one was finding anything. Yeah, what kind so of diagnoses were you given? Because most of the time, a doctor in, in a conventional realm needs a diagnosis to treat. Without it, you're, you're a little bit, you don't know where to go and you're probably being uh-huh. sent around. So did you get any real diagnoses or was it all just kind of exploratory? I have one person who gave me a real attempt at uh, one specialist um, who said maybe it was carotiditis. The carotid mm. artery was inflamed. He had seen people have really such severe pain there. And the pain would get so intense that I would kind of feel the pulse there, you know. Mm. Um, so I gave him credit um, for trying to come up with something. That did get me thinking about, you know, my antioxidant status and you know, anti-inflammatories, anti-inflammatory herbs. And I had been into herbs and natural healing for years. Again, I started out as a massage therapist and um, I had had some weird health problems like my bladder and stuff when I was pretty young. And so I had, I, I would get good results with homeopathy and stuff like that for these uh, symptoms that traditional medicine wasn't helping me with. Let me ask you, at what point did you, because you're, we're, we're talking years now that you were suffering, right? How many years altogether was this journey from the point that you started to feel all these symptoms and experience this, this pain to the point of resolution? How many years are we talking? Uh, about eight. Eight I years. Was, I, was, I was bedridden, unable to talk, unable to chew, uh, just confined to one room. I, I missed my son's entire childhood. Uh, he was five when it happened and 13 when I had the surgery. And then, of course, you know, it's not like I just popped out of bed. I, there was a, a little bit of a recovery period. So, uh, you know, I missed quite a bit of everything. I mean, eight years is such a long, that's like a decade of a lifetime. That's like 10%, you could say, if you're going to live to 100, you know, of, of one's life to be suffering. I saw. Like- Good, good job, 200. Let's, let's shoot for that. Absolutely. Okay. No, you got you yeah. to aim high. But my point is, how many years into this are, are you kind of like, hey, you guys don't have answers. Like, you know, where do right you, away. at what point is that, you know, inflection point of, I need to find something else because this isn't working? Early on. Um, Early on? Yes. Um, like I said, I, I was into alternative medicine, but I didn't find an answer. I mean, I couldn't research because I, I couldn't sit up at a computer and, you know, my husband is, his background is mechanical engineering. So he wasn't going to figure it out. I had to figure it out. Right. So I, when I was able to get an iPhone, which was about two or three years before I, I had the surgery, I was able to start doing some serious research so you but became your own house MD and just started looking at all the literature and everything and going through it that way? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, I also, I'm willing to look at all research in the absence of human research. I'll look at animal research in the absence of animal research. I would look at good objective data in the absence of good objective data. What are people saying subjectively about this herb, this treatment? Um, Yes, I researched on every facet that you can imagine. And again, I was really blessed in that I had the background from CASE because it is a data-driven institution and uh, I was taught how to read research uh, literature and data and studies. And so that was helpful because when I got to about... A year after I had my iPhone, I started having serious, serious digestive problems. My gallbladder was not functioning well. I had, it was starting to give me pancreatitis. I was losing weight. I, I, I was so miserable. I cannot tell you how physically miserable I was because I had the headache from the toxins and all the pain here, and I would have neuralgia symptoms like funny little pain shooting in my eyes. And um, I 
started to have to research all of this stuff for my gallbladder and my pancreas. And I know more about the gallbladder and the pancreas than I ever, ever, ever wanted to. But that's what you have to do if no one is coming up with an answer for you. And so I had, even a year before I had my surgery for the root canal uh, treated teeth and the cavitations, uh, I was treating my gallbladder and my pancreas. And I had food allergy testing. I actually had someone come to the house and draw the blood uh, for food sensitivity testing because I didn't want to go out. And I, I had a lot of food sensitivities and there was a lot of food that I couldn't eat. I got rid of all of this. The only thing that I have now is I'm allergic to bananas and chocolate. Uh, so That's a bummer. <laughs> those, that is a bummer. But compared to what it was, uh, it, I'll take that. That's fine. I mean, I, there was hardly any grains that I could eat, even potatoes. I, I think I lived for a couple months on sweet potatoes and egg whites. And then I, I kept you know, expanding my diet. Uh, I used a four-day food rotation diet until I was able to eat more foods. And I had done a pretty good job of surviving. I really was literally just on the edge of survival for that whole year until I had surgery. Uh, and I was doing a lot of alternative treatments for detox. I did um, Garrison therapy. For those who aren't familiar with that, it's a anti-cancer uh, regimen or protocol that involves diet and supplements and coffee. A lot of rice. juicing and enemas. A lot of yeah. juicing, yeah. yeah. And when you do uh, a coffee enema, that will increase your glutathione as transferase 500 times normal than what is in your bloodstream normally. And that glutath- you know, glutathione is our master antioxidant. And so that would clear out a lot of toxins. So when I would do a coffee enema, I would be able to talk for a little bit. Hmm. My voice would get a little bit stronger. I'd feel a little bit better. I wouldn't feel as painful all over. And I'm, I'm, I was excited. I'm like, okay, so there's a toxin that's causing this. And that was, then I, of course, I remembered when I was given the steroid and that had made me worse. Cause what did that do? That allowed the, all the infections to proliferate because there was nothing checking them. My immune system was being shut down from the steroids and that allowed the infections to grow. So you're, pu- so, you're putting the pieces of the puzzle together in some ways after these years, which is, you know, something yes. that I think you try and, and fail or try and succeed. And you start to put together a picture of what may be happening because for right. all these years, you're unsure of what is causing this. People right. could tell you you're having this pain, you're having this, you could do steroids, you could do, that's great. Those are kind of just masking your symptoms in some ways or exacerbating them in some as in the case with the steroids there. But, but you're starting to then realize this is toxicity, this is possibly infection. Where do you go from there? Do you start looking back on kind of your life and, and things that have happened to try and say, where can this be? Or are you still, you know, just, just in, in this state of, I need more data? I started, I, of course, I had known a little bit about root canals being a problem. And I did start researching that. I researched other things, you know, my gallbladder and things that were going on. And it just, that was the one thing that made sense when I took a look at the, there's, there's plenty of research on root canal treated teeth that they are correlated to heart disease and neuralgias and um, autoimmune issues. And so I found a case study of three, I think it was three women had had um, neuralgia, trigeminal neuralgia that had resolved after they um, had treatment, you know, biological dentistry treatment for their canal teeth and their cavitations. So that really intrigued me. And I, I, I said, you know, I think that this is the problem. 
because I did have some of those other issues that root canal teeth sometimes cause. Now, I didn't think it was my only problem because I did know that I had a toxicity issue with the mercury fillings. But we know, and a lot of uh, the authors and the people who study these conditions say that multiple toxins make the symptoms worse. If you have a hist, people who tend to have a history of mercury amalgam fillings, or say you have some other toxic issues, say you have Lyme disease, which they, that creates a lot of toxins, or uh, breast implant illness, um, or biotoxins, you've been chemically exposed in some way, then your symptoms can be worse. And they can, you know, one can make the other worse, depending because you, your toxic load, think of it as a bucket that is filling up and it just gets to where the bucket just overflows. So the body can only handle so many toxins until the symptoms are created. So I actually, uh, after doing some research, I looked quite a bit on YouTube and watched some doctors that were kind of leading the way at that time. In um, I wasn't on social media at that time. I would look at on the internet and on YouTube and of course then the research that was available. And I ended up contacting Dr. Stuart Nunley in Marble Falls, Texas. And he is one of the you know, founding fathers of modern biological dentistry where you know, the tooth is removed in the way it needs to be removed for people to be successful. And what's most important is that the tooth is removed, that all the infected material is removed, uh, any soft bone, um, any infected material, and the periodontal ligament. And you do have some dentists out there, even now, who'll say, I take out the periodontal ligament, but they're not doing a good job of cleaning up the area, and sometimes people will still be sick afterwards. So it's important that, you know, that protocol is followed. And then also, um, I loved it. I, like I said, I'd done my research, what was the best way to have this treatment done. And there's a, you're probably familiar with the PRF, which is platelet rich fibrin, which they take your own blood and they spin it out and they make these platelet plugs and they put those in the surgery sites and they actually stitch them in place and that brings super healing to those areas. And then the third thing that I felt was very important that they did was intravenous vitamin C, uh, fairly high dose for dentistry is 25 grams. And they would do that the day of surgery and the next day. And, um, you know, you can see the results that I'm really happy with how things turned out. Now, let's take a, a quick step back here because, sure. you know, you had the surgery and everything, but, you know, there, there has to be this point where you, you realize that what you had done, your teeth may be linked to everything. Did you share that with others? Did you share that with doctors, your medical team that, hey, I'm thinking that this is something to do with a toxicity and an infection. I've had root canal. How many root canals did you have? I had four root canal teeth. And then I did have a very large crowned tooth that was next to one of the root canal teeth that had an infection at the tip. And then I had four cavitations, which are uh, where my wisdom teeth had been removed. A cavitation is a site that is contained within the bone. The bone is kind of healed around infection and is closed off, but it's still, those bacteria are still in there turning out their toxins and so where all four of my wisdom teeth had been removed, those four sites. So I had nine sites total of infection. Yeah, that's, that's kind of crazy. And I, I guess what I'm getting at is wh- where were the dentists, the doctors, and all these people for all these years that no one could even make that correlation? You had to do it. Did anyone out there even bring this up to you? Or was this all you that had to find this out? Yeah, it was completely me. No one knew or, or suggested that. And my GP, my general practitioner doctor, when I talked to him about it, he was receptive in that, you know, if you want to check that out and get diagnosed, I don't see any harm in doing that. Um, but he didn't know anything about it. And 
I looked for a biological dentistry a dentist in my area. They're hard to find. They're not, They're not everywhere. And Cleveland is a very big medical town, but it's very conventional. Uh, it's not always holistic and alternative. But uh, there, there's a couple of dentists here, and there's I have found someone who is is very good locally. But at the time, there wasn't anyone that I knew of, and I I was willing to travel. But from all the research and all the studying I did, I there really wasn't anyone who knew about root canal treated teeth being a problem. I mean, in many ways, you're incredibly fortunate to have this background, to have this openness, because I'll be honest, there's a lot of people out there that if they were in your position, they just, they had to figure this out on their own, that they may not ever get there. Too many people now just see teeth as completely separate. You could have a root canal, you could pull it out, it ain't gonna, it's totally separate from the rest of your body. And there is no connect, and that that's shocking to them. I think to even hear that yes. this sort you're talking about being, you know, can't even sit up. Sometimes you can't speak. You can't. It's hard to swallow at times. You can't move. You got fatigued moving anywhere. I mean, these are serious, serious complications. And yeah, I had no life really. Right. I mean, root canal teeth took my life from me. You know, for a decade. You know, and. I, I was determined, I will tell you, I think attitude, if you're someone who has a mystery illness or a yeah. chronic illness, I think attitude is very, very important. I told everyone who would listen to me, I'm going to get better someday. I, and some people would look at me like I had, you know, yep. some kind of creatures crawling out of my <laughs> ears. Like, well, okay, you know, good, you good for you, you know, good for you. They would, you know, say, you could tell they, they did not think I was ever leaving my house. And I knew, I didn't know how, but I knew that I was going to get better. And I uh, just continued to look for the answer and I continued to try things. And I am really lucky in that I've always been interested in herbs and natural ways of healing. And I, I have spent a lot of time educating myself and I, I had a comfort level going into that using those modalities where some people would be, you know, afraid, oh, if I take this herb, I'm going to get something. You know, I don't wonder if something's going to bother me if I take it. I look it up on the internet and see if there's any side effects. Is it uh, oxytoxin? Is it uh, a metaralgic herb is it going to meaning is it, is it going to cause me to get my period if i take this all you know or is it going to make me bleed it, it, does it cause headaches does it cause digestive distress very important i don't just wonder about those things you know i would find the answer i don't just worry that something's going to make me sick i'll go and look for the answer so we have the ability to doctor ourselves and take care of ourselves not everybody does because some, this is, for example, my medical condition is complicated and you do have to be able to read certain things. And this is why it is important that we do have doctors uh, who are willing to do these kind of treatments so that folks who, you should, so you sh- shouldn't have to do what I did to get better, that there is someone you can go to who is an expert. And, and even now in my recovery, it is, there's a lot of good medical practitioners who, who are trying to help folks like me who have biotoxin illness, but they really are still, a lot of them are still missing, you know, the point. They yeah, no, the big it's a picture. It's- it's incredibly hard to, to, you know, encompass all that's in medicine and even understanding of the teeth being so interlocked that every single tooth is related to an organ, that these pockets could have infections that you won't see unless you do a cone 3D imaging of it. These are still things that are somewhat novel in the yes. medical field, and you've got to be outside of the norm to pick right. up on this. You have to be a sort of pioneer and fringe person in medicine to be able to understand what you're even speaking about right now. Right. But, exactly. 
But at the same time, I completely understand that at a certain point, you have to take things into your own hands. And as a patient, if you're not getting the answers and you're in a dire situation, which many patients are, and you especially were, you have to start doing some sort of research and, and some sort of basically understanding of what's going on inside of me. Right. And so you did that, and it took so many years. But take us now, you're having this operation or this, this procedure to remove all of this, these infected areas, to clean these infected areas out. Did you go into it thinking, this is it, I'm going to be better? Or was there still some trepidation of, well, let's see how this goes, but I don't know. I've been doing this for how many years now? Is this really going to suddenly solve everything? What was it like going into that procedure? Uh, I, how do I describe this? Um, I mean, there was a piece of me inside that was very calm, mm-hmm. but um, it was very challenging uh, for me to leave my house to go to a doctor's appointment, let alone three states away. That was also, that, I mean, the challenge of that was overwhelming. The, all of the toxins, some of the toxins from the um, root canal teeth and the cavitations are neurotoxins. And so I was having, it, I would get uh, really shaky. And, I, and of course, I had, I had lost 73 pounds, I was, and I hadn't eaten properly for two years. So I was, I was in bad shape, and um, it was hard to cope with, the, the, with traveling. That was very, very challenging. Um, my sister flew in from uh, out of state and drove me and my mother down to Texas. We went through... <laughs> It's kind of crazy. We went through historic flooding and I'm just watching out the window of my car as we travel along, all these things kept happening. And I just kind of felt like I was in this eye of the tornado. I'm watching all this around me and I'm, I'm thinking, okay, well, and I just decided that I would tell myself every hand that I come in contact with is a healing hand. And I just kind of visualized everything being successful um, you know, visualization is a great tool. Athletes use it. Uh, it tends to help direct things. They don't exactly know how it does it, but I try to use those, uh, those tools and meditation as I went on my travels there. And your question about to, the other part of that question to answer it is, did I was I oh, certain that I was going to be better? No, I wasn't. But I really felt that I wasn't going to live if I didn't have it done. I knew from the research I'd done that 100 out of 100 root canal teeth contain infection. The tooth has hundreds of miles. One tooth has hundreds of miles of microscopic tubules mm-hmm. that are just a hotel for bacteria when you... Uh, turn them into a root canal tooth. They just set up and have a party in there and cause havoc. So I knew that I needed to get rid of that infection if I was going to survive. What I wasn't sure of was, you know, could I survive having that much surgery? And um, I didn't tell my dentist that I had um, heart palpitations <laughs> and elevated heart rate. This is not something I recommend people do, but I was afraid that if I mentioned that to them, they wouldn't do the surgery. So um, again, you know, having to make difficult choices in a way that's potentially not even fair to your doctor, but you don't want to be denied treatment. Um, and I had great results. You know, when they did the surgery, as soon as the surgery was over, I was laying there in the hotel room and I went, Oh my gosh, my heart rate is my heart rate is really slow. Being a nurse, I started checking 
and my heart rate was in the 60s, and my heart rate had been in the hundreds for two years. And I didn't have any heart palpitations. And I'd had the heart palpitations, uh, especially when I was stressed, uh, once a day for a year. And I've never had any since. And those, those, that, that went away right after the surgery. Yeah, that's, that's, that's incredible that it happened so quickly. But at the same time, you're removing something that was a constant stress to your immune yes. system, to your body, to your nervous system. It was an active infection just thriving in nine of these imagine uh, yes. spots with just these, these you know, different uh, microbes out there just causing so much inflammation and pain to that area. And that was the cause of it. And you were able to address that cause. Now, to go back to your kind of point there of being, of traveling, taking this almost leap of faith, I've talked to so many patients over the years that say the same thing. You don't ever get to 100% certainty in anything in life. You could go in for a routine cleaning procedure and not make it out because of some you know, minor mistake or something like that. So there's never a certainty. What I've heard, most patients get to a 70 to 80% comfort zone where you feel, hey, listen, I feel that, what do I have to lose almost at this point? I'm suffering. I need to do something. This mm-hmm. is here. The universe has provided me this route for something. Let me at least go there. If you get yourself to that 70 to 80%, I heard, that is the kind of magic number you go with. And the rest is kind of a leap of faith. And of course, healing is going to take some time. In your case, it was a quick kind of resolution, but I'm sure the healing process after that continues, right? So can you tell us what yes. that was like after the procedure? Yeah. And, you know, my healing process has been um, a little slower than some other biological dentistry patients who only have one tooth removed and maybe they aren't as sick to start out, but I kind of started out in this situation in a hole. You know, I had uh, just nutrient deficiencies and really low calorie stores. And I, because of the pancreas and gallbladder issues, I was not able to eat large quantities of uh, protein and fat. So you need those things to heal. Your body uses those. Those are macro um, nutrients that the body uses to the building blocks to make bone and soft tissue and vascular tissue. So I didn't have those things in abundance. And uh, my healing was slow. And I was concerned that maybe I was going to get infections. So I did a lot of things to prevent um, my sites getting reinfected because I didn't want to have to have to surgery again, and I didn't want to have the surgery fail and be sick, have the surgery not do what it was intended to do. So I did um, intravenous vitamin C. I would get 25 grams. I went twice a week for many months. I went for eight months. And I just love intravenous vitamin C. It has helped me so much. Um, I would feel great when I would go. Uh, just those neurotoxins would just be, you know, cleared out of my bloodstream. And I would just, I would just be giddy almost. And I would talk to people at uh, IV therapy. I would just be talking their ear off. I'm a very social, chatty person anyway. So um, I did intravenous vitamin C. I got a, I tried an infrared sauna uh, at a local place and I felt that it was going to help me and I I purchased a clear light sanctuary too and uh, did that at home almost daily for a year. Um, And then I, I worked slowly on my diet. And the one thing I really tried to do was no, I had got nutritional testing and I tried to fill those nutritional gaps that, that were tested to be, um, missing, but then I also just started taking amino acids since I couldn't eat enough protein, and um, you know other supplements like that, B vitamins. Uh, but I do a B12 injection every two weeks, that sort of thing. Okay, so you're, you're taking those uh, precautions, you're taking preventive measures to optimize your health to continue your healing journey. How are you feeling today? How is it? You know, when you look back on this, is it, is this a remarkable recovery? Or are you still healing? Where do you feel you are on a healing journey? I feel my recovery has been epic. Um, yeah. I feel that I'm blessed. I, um, I really am excited about 
how well I've done. Yes, I healed slowly a little bit, uh, but the results are exactly what I wanted. And the body does what it needs to do in the right time, space, continuum, you know. Uh, you have to kind of listen to your body and do what, give it what it needs. A lot of uh, people who have biotoxin illness will try to push too hard and they will actually make themselves worse. They, they try this kill, kill, kill approach and, you know, your lymphatic system gets overloaded and you can't get rid of everything. So, you know, maybe I had too many toxins to deal with at one time and I have to go a little slower. That's okay. Um, I don't mind. I'm, I'm happy. I'm able to participate in, in life and do things with my family and get out and shop and all these sort of things that you need to do. I was recently tested and I, have, um, I had a GI map assessment done and I had mold toxicity testing done. I think that's really important for people who have biotoxin illness. When I get on chat rooms and I see what people are writing and when I, people contact me, people contact me from all over the world, um, you know, since my story was published. And, you know, a lot of people, they don't have the whole picture and they go to, they get the surgery and it turns out that they have something else that they're also really toxic with and that hinders their recovery. They have mold toxicity. They have gut dysbiosis with overgrowth of other things in their gut, maybe candida, something like that. They have, um, there's people who have Lyme disease, Epstein-Barr, and it's undiagnosed, all sorts of things like that. But mold and, and your gut dysbiosis seem to really affect the recovery of, of people with biotoxin illness. And I tried to get someone to, to test me for mold ever since I had the surgery. I, everyone, I said, well, what should I get? Should I get tested for heavy metals? Should I get tested for mold? And they said, well, you were tested for metals way back when. You probably don't have to get tested for that. We can just assume you have those. And um, I, I tend to agree with that a little bit, although you don't know which layer of metal you're dealing with, uh, you're getting rid of. And of course you could use the better chelation agent. That's a whole other conversation, which we can talk about. I'll talk to you all day about this stuff, but <laughs> sticking with my story for now, the chelation agents, you know, and things like that, that people need, they're not getting, they're not getting things in the proper order. So if in my case, I tried to get uh, mold testing way back when, and I never, I never had that. And so I would make a recovery. My recovery would go like this and I would be doing hard cardiovascular work using my EWAT system. I have exercise with oxygen therapy system. And then boom, I would crash gallbladder problems, whatever. And come to find out after my testing this summer, I have mold toxicity. I have okra toxin A and clostridium was elevated. Oh, no, clostridium is not a mold, sorry. I had ochratoxin A and I had um, mycophenolic acid. And then I also, with my GI map assessment, had an elevated candida and clostridia. Those were the highest ones. I had some others that were a little bit up there, but those are the two that I'm really working on uh, at this time. So now that I am aware that that's the problem, uh, I can bind those mold toxins so that they don't end up clogging up my liver and my gallbladder. And I can keep working out and keep detoxing. And I have the whole picture. And so I think that's really important because I talk to people all the time and they're so sick. And I'll say, well, have, have you been tested for this? Have you been tested for that? And some of them have been tested, you know, for none of these things. And they, they really don't know what, whether they have those problems or not. Yeah. So. Knowing is part of it. I have to say, there's lots of people that come in, even to our clinic and so many doctors I know and bring the binders of, you know, all the tests, bring everything there is. And then, you know, more data isn't always good in a sense, because then you become overwhelmed with data and it becomes a little bit confusing. So doctors don't know what to do. And like you say, the easiest thing is let's just try and push this out. And that could be even worse because, like you said, your organs of elimination aren't ready. You're pushing some heavy toxins around 
you might be taking it from connective tissue and putting it into the brain. It could be worse. You right. could see something much worse come out of that. So I think one of the, the big pieces here that you've hit on is you got to start to understand yourself. Data and information are wonderful little pieces, but I think they're very secondary to being very in tune with who you are, to being understanding of what foods are good and bad and really gaining that appreciation for that as your body is adjusting, as you start to see things and stop looking outside for answers about what's going inside because you already have them. Symptoms to me, all those symptoms that you mentioned, these are just bells going, your body's going, hey, pay attention. Right. We got something going on here, right? And you saw it. Eight years, doctors were, you know, probably probing and doing all these things, running tests, did not have an answer until you started to put it all together and understood. So I guess my point here and even a question to you would be, do you feel that when you're ever you're, you know, going through an issue, a health issue, it's sometimes even better to first go inward rather than go running to doctors for answers, to sit down and, and sort of gain an appreciation for number one, intuition, which I feel like most people have lost completely. And number two, just to start to say, okay, I know my body. I am, you know, I've been with this my whole life. What are some of these signs telling me? What can I even figure out and feel some kind of, you know, resonance again with that happening? Do you think that's important? Yes. I, I think that that is everything. I don't know. Do you do kinesiology at all at your clinic? We do advanced forms of kinesiology. So we've done O-ring, Vega testing, EAV. We now do bioresonance testing, which is a form of kinesiology. You could say it's basically understanding on the quantum principles, whether something there is not, you know, or is not there. Okay. So you're testing for basically the vibrations of certain bacteria, viruses, and everything, if it is there. It's very much like um, ART, autonomic response testing, kinesiology, and and muscle testing, yes. Yeah, I do, um, I mean, I will do my own muscle testing on myself. I don't have anyone else involved ever. I don't want any answers except the answers that uh, I need. So I I check things myself. I just use um, a 10-pound weight for my resistance. And then, you know, I do all of the questioning and stuff myself. And then the other piece of what you're asking me is I think people were programmed to go to the doctor and get the answers from him. Uh, and or people, her. <laughs> correct. <laughs> Sorry. But <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> Uh, but, um, hey, I love a good joke. So um, the part that, you know, is often overlooked is people don't listen to themselves about what they need to do. They don't ask themselves. And when you get to where you're overwhelmed or you have a life-threatening condition like cancer or something like that, you know, the first response is, oh, let's just hurry up and do what the doctor says and people will get surgeries right away when, you know, as an example, it might be much better if they were to go off and do some sort of treatment to shrink that cancer. Uh, Maybe they could even eliminate it without surgery, but certainly a lot of times it's better to, to shrink it and do some service first for some surgery. And you can't do that if you're panicked. And you know, at the beginning of this conversation, we talked about, parasympathetic and sympathetic. And what are you doing when you're meditating? That's sympathetic. And I spend some time, I try to every morning balancing my energy and meditating. Uh, I, I do some acupressure. Uh, I, I developed my own Tuina massage technique for myself. You have to listen to your body, like you're saying, and give it what it needs. And a lot of people are not checking in at all. They just feel like they just have to keep going and going and going like the ever ready Bonnie. And, you know, eventually he runs out of energy and he kills over and that that's what's going to happen if we never put anything back. Absolutely. I mean, part, part of what you're saying is, is tapping into that parasympathetic, doing things like meditate. There are so many tools, even breathing techniques 
that if you're asking, well, how do I find out what's going on in me? It's been so many years. I think what you're saying, it's simple sometimes. Literally sit there and meditate. Get in a good spot a little bit. Breathe somewhat. Whatever you need to do, affirmations, visualizations, you know, prayer, whatever it is for you that makes you feel more at peace. And then just listen. Listen to your body. It's literally speaking to you all the times. Where is the pain? Ask it questions and then you'll start to say, you know, the pain today is more chest, stomach, solar plexus area. What is that telling me? Is something going on in this region right now that I need to address? And then start to do research your own. And, you know, I had Naveen Jain, who's the founder of uh, Viome and so many other, you know, big companies say, when you want to be an expert on something, never just listen to one person. Take in 10 different people's opinion, their research, read 10 books on it, and then make up your own mind by bringing all those things together, what sounded the best for you. And then you become much more of an expert. I think everyone should be doing that with themselves. I agree. That's You need to that's be an expert on yourself. <laughs> yeah, I agree. That's what I do. I mean, I, I will talk to two or three functional medicine doctors. I will get online and research, and then I make my own choice. And there's so many great people out there. Like you said, there's the functional med, there are biological dentists. If you've never heard and you're like, wait a second, I've had root canals and I have chronic fatigue and things going on. Go out there, write an email, look up biological dentistry on Google, wherever, write an email to someone and say, hey, can I get your at least opinion or at least can you point me in the direction of a good book? I had Dr. Dominique Nischwitz on recently who wrote All in Your Mouth. Great book you could read if you're starting to go through this. And then read another one and another one. And guess what? I think just like you, you start to become an expert on yourself and you start to understand what is causing my problems. And then, of course, you reach out to other experts to perform things that will then remove the root cause, remove these things, whatever it may be, or help you to catalyze your own self-healing. So in many ways, your story is one about empowering yourself by learning more about yourself, by getting in tune with yourself. I, I agree with you, and I, I totally uh, embrace the philosophy that you're talking about. I, um, I mean, it's on my website and on my Instagram, I put uh, a recommended reading list and there's tons of books like that. Yeah. yeah Dome Nishwitz book is at the top, but there's many other good ones so many. and people need to uh, read about that. And there'll be other books on there as I become, you know, more knowledgeable about mold toxicity and other biotoxins. And there'll be more books on there for me to share with, with, with people, you know, but absolutely. I think it's really important for people to, you know, you talked about um, people just need to get in touch with themselves and be an expert. And here's the challenge. We are now living with people. For example, I had a head full of mercury fillings as a child. Mm -hmm. And then we also now know about circadian rhythm. You need to get out and see the first sunlight in the morning and be out during the day at various times to reset your clock so that your body knows what time of day it is and you can sleep through the night and your body creates all these different chemicals internally that it would not create if you didn't get that sunlight throughout the day. You have a whole, I've lived my entire life not doing that. I have a whole life with mercury toxins. I have a whole life of all of this imbalance. And I don't just have the decade where I was sick and bed bound. But, and so there's many people and you have to wonder what is contributing. Um, just, just the light fixed example that I told you, the blue light blocking, just that. What if that alone is causing people to get autoimmune diseases like diabetes and stuff because their body is not getting the right kind of sleep at the right, and the right chemical processes that it needs throughout the day and throughout their life. So there's so much that, you know, you need to learn. And I think the more you're in, in tune with your homeostasis, what is supposed to be the center of your, you know, your natural state, then the less you fluctuate, you know, for your detox. Um, I have handled a lot of problems for, you know, when, when you're detoxing, uh, you know, you'll get, 
the symptoms that come up as you get rid of toxins in certain areas of the body, as you're aware. So the thing that um, really interests me is I will have a, for example, I had a lower left quadrant pain for months. And I knew that I was detoxing. And most people would run off and get another colonoscopy. And I'm like, I'm not doing that. Is move COVID, all this shutdown stuff. I'm not doing that. And I did a few other things, detox. I did some research. It's gone. The pain is gone. And, you know, if we look for the answers, and you're, another thing too is like, if you're not detoxing too much, if you're doing the things you need to cleanse, you don't have these wild swings off of the center, then you don't have so much cleanup to do. You know, so if, if we try our best to find what is natural and centered for us, then it's, it's not so difficult to get better. No, that's, that's wonderfully said. Now, Pam, can you look back on everything that happened and say that you have found purpose in all that struggle, that almost decade? Because I know there's a lot of patients out there and a lot of you could say just people struggling with their health. That just, why would this happen? How can I ever find purpose? Will I ever get better? But as someone on the other side of this now, and someone that's been in medicine a lot, do you find that there was purpose in everything you went through? Oh, yes. I don't think, I think that, you know, there's a, that the universe does not make mistakes. Uh, I mean, we have divine will and we can do what we need to do to, to run our own show, to guide our own ship. But I think that it sounds weird to say it, but I wouldn't change anything. Mm. I'm where I'm supposed to be. I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I, I would change being there more for my son, um, you know, because he didn't ask for that. Other than that, the pain that I had is over. I don't carry it with me. I let it go every day. I have a lot of grief. I missed a lot of things. That's the hard part is people, you have to actively work on letting go of pain. People will internalize their pain. People don't want to deal with pain and they just push it down in and that just makes you sicker. And that comes out as resentment and illness. And I actively work on that. I do. And I'm sure as, as most of us do, you know, as well, this will be go- ongoing. Healing is a lifelong yes. process, right? I think too many people think that, all right, you're healthy, you're not healing. You're healing every single second of every single day, even right. if you are healthy and if you're unhealthy, you are also. It's always a healing process. So in that respect, I think we all have our work to do that is kind of our life's purpose in some way too. But it's wonderful to hear that you've been through all this, so much pain and and I'm sure there is, of course, purpose, but also a greater appreciation for life, too. That's something I've heard across the board from any patient that is, you know, struggle, that has been through the depths of what it's like to be in a disease state for so long, come out the other end and say, man, life is beautiful. Life is great. You know? It is. I mean, even when I have what you would call a bad day, it's just much easier sometimes to turn it around. I, I was like, Does this really matter? Uh, things that used to really just make me go sideways, I I just don't care because it they're not important. Yeah, uh, I prioritize you know spending time with my family and uh, doing things that I enjoy, and I also prioritize my self care, which sometimes that does come before things that are fun, you know. But <laughs> I can't miss getting a sauna. I can't miss doing certain things that are important for me to be healthy. But I learn to enjoy, I take, it's very relaxing. It increases your parasympathetic. So I get something good out of it. And I think it's important that you nourish yourself with joy and with love and not with resentment. Because if Mm -hmm. you're resenting having to care for yourself, who are you resenting? Yourself. Absolutely. You're resenting yourself because, and you're saying, I don't, I'm, I don't have a right to be sick. I don't have a right to take the time to heal myself. And we're worth that. I'm, I deserve to be healthy just like anybody else. So why not take that time? I, I think everyone listening should know that investing in yourself, that self-care is the best investment you could ever have. It absolutely me. is. It, it's such an ROI. And I say this to almost everyone I speak with. So I'm like a broken record, but 
if you're going to invest in something, invest in yourself, invest in loving yourself, knowing yourself, do it yes. also with uh, kindness and gentleness. Some yes. people, you know, hang, hang on with guilt. Oh, I'm going to get a massage or going to the sauna and, you know, I'm, I should be doing something. Uh, no, care about, like, love that. You know, to yeah. treat yourself days in the spa are wonderful Enjoy things. Enjoy the massage. Don't go because oh. you have to go. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't, I, I want to go back just one little bit sure. because I don't want to miss the opportunity to, to share this is I really feel that, you know, I need to share my story about what has happened to me. I've had, I never imagined that I would touch so many people's lives. I've had so many people thank me, thank me tearfully for telling my story that they found biological dentistry. They didn't know their root canal teeth could make them sick. They didn't know that they could, it could affect all these different medical conditions and make them worse. And then also just, they, I've also had people just thank me for being an inspiration to them. Uh, my followers on Instagram are just so sweet. And honestly, they just, there's no words to express how fulfilling it is to know that you lift other people up. And that lifts me up because I'm still working on getting better. So if I have a bad day, if I have a day where I don't want to do stuff, I just go, what do I tell everybody else to do? And I give myself my own advice. And it's great. Isn't that the beauty of, of things like social media? You find, I find myself when I, because I usually, you know, write up all the posts and ahead of time. It's usually okay. that I'm talking to myself. <laughs> it's usually that I'm literally giving advice and I'm kind of like subconsciously being like, you know, you should take this too. Now everyone is like, Oh, that's wonderful advice. And I love that tip and everything, but it's most likely that I need it. And subconsciously I, I, I don't even realize it's happening. And I look back on some of these posts or some of the things I'm putting out to share with the world and saying, man, I could use that advice right now. And it came back to me almost perfectly. Right. So, so yeah, I think in a way, you know, this healing experience, part of it is paying it forward and sharing. I've been around this my whole life. I've been around medicine and people, you know, experts and people that have been very sick and have come back and now are loving life and helping others. And I want to do that too. And I could see that with you as well. You've been love there. It. You experienced I, it. It's paying yes. it forward now. Yeah. I, yeah, I love doing that. And, you know, just a comment of what you just said is, you know, you, you think, maybe you're not necessarily uh, giving advice to yourself, but, you know, maybe what your divine goal is, is that you are supposed to teach people what you're learning, you know? So, like, I just did a post. It's funny because yesterday the post I wrote, I had actually used a Louise Hay affirmation for myself. I had, you know, um, when you do detox, you know, you, the body and the tissues and all those toxins, you hold memories and pain and stuff. So what a lot of people don't know is when you detox, sometimes you'll have, you know, a moment where you have to cry or release something. And I, I, I learned something about myself and I, I, I wrote this post and I, I, I reworded a Louise Hay affirmation and I kind of think, yeah, you're right. I was doing that for myself. But it, I also thought when I'm writing it, everybody else out there who's sick like me, they need to hear that they're important, that they count, that they need to nurture themselves with love. You know, so I shared that. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, this is the, the reason. Your Health, Your Story is a podcast to share these stories to empower others. And I think, you know, you've definitely empowered a lot of people here today. So thank you for that. And where can people learn more about you? Where could they see your posts and, and learn about more about your story and what you're going to be doing? Oh, sure. Well, um, they can go to my website. I don't post there every day. Uh, that's www.pamwild.com. And then I'm on Instagram at Pam L. Wild. Good. At so Pam L. Wild. Yeah, go check that out. I mean, this is a, a subject that, you know, I, I've been 
fortunate enough to be a part of and help other people. I think we talked about this. I helped Fraser Bailey, who did Root Cause, uh, you know, find out about his, um, uh, you know, dental infections that were causing all this. And you're seeing it more and more. We really are at the medical clinic when we see patients come in with unresolved issues and undiagnosed things that have been going on for years and very mysterious things. So much of that starts in your mouth and so much of that can be through because of root canals, because of uh, infections in the teeth and because of wisdom's teeth. There's so many things that can be happening and starting there. So to hear more stories like yours and have other people question that and hopefully come to also a conclusion that this could be the root cause of my issue and I do need to have this addressed. I think that's really empowering. Otherwise, people may be, you know, walking around blindly, not understanding what's going on with them. So thank you again for, for sharing this story. And, oh. and yeah, and, and I really hope the healing journey continues for you. Thank um, you for having me. And, you know, thank you for the podcast and the, the format for what you do. I mean, you're also opening the door for a lot of people who have lost hope and are, are, are looking for answers. And so I really love, you know, your podcast and what you do. And I, I'm just happy that you invited me here today to be a part of it and to share my story. And, you know, if people want to read my story too, they can also read it. Uh, I was published on medical news today. No, it's, it's really a fascinating story because I mean, you go into the depths of everything you told it here, but to reread it and kind of, you know, really let it sit in and see what you've been through and how you've overcome that and, and everything within it, that story, it is empowering. I think you should read it regardless and go there and check it out because it kind of shows you what can happen, what, you know, you might know others are going through right now. Who knows? And I think it's just about reaching one person at a time and sharing this information so that you could expand your awareness, expand your field of understanding, and hopefully help yourself and then help others. Because as we said, I think this is a community of people just helping each other that have been there, done that. Let's help someone else now. Right. Because when you start healing, I mean, it begins in the mind. You have that aha moment and you go, this is what I need. And then you get better. So that's really, that's really you know, where it begins. No, healing is absolutely transformative. And I'm sure you know that. And then to anyone else out there listening and going through a healing, it's going to transform you, hopefully into something much better. And you can help others as well. So Pam, thank you for sharing this story and helping others. Thank you for having me. All the best to you. While Pam's story may seem like an outlier, it's really not. And if there's a valuable lesson to be taken out of this, it's that regardless of the current situation you're in, there are answers to your health issues. They may be hidden, but they can be uncovered and corrected. Don't settle for not having your health or not having answers to why you're unhealthy. Keep seeking those answers. Dive into areas of healing that are foreign and strange to you, but be open-minded and keep the hope. Your story won't be exactly like Pam's, but that doesn't mean it can't have a happy ending like hers did. Until next time, keep writing your own healing story.